Hello, it's Basha Cummings here. I'm an editor at Tortoise, which is the home of Sweet Bobby, Hoaxed and many more award-winning investigative podcasts. I'm here to tell you about Tortoise Investigates, where we curate the best of our chart-topping investigations in one place. Everything from extraordinary tales of deception to a suspicious killing to one mother's decades-long fight with the police. Just search for Tortoise Investigates wherever you get your podcasts. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. I bloody love plantains. Honestly, I could eat them breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We're in a really bustling Puerto Rican canteen, waiting for our location. It's got these brilliant U-shaped, like, diner bar thing that you sit at. Of course, everybody has pork on their plates because it's Puerto Rico. Brock's Clubhouse is around the corner. We are on a million-dollar quest for proof that the coin that props up the cryptocurrency market has all of the money in the bank that it says it does. The coin is Tether, and we are starting our detective hunt by tracking down Tether's founding father, Brock Pierce, to find out whether he knows where the money is. This is episode two of Real Money. So we are still waiting to hear back from him. We've got 50 minutes before the time that we allotted. Well, nothing in my inbox. And it is 10 minutes to 2. It's frustrating. It feels like we're so close. My producer Joanna and I suggested last night via email that we meet at 2 p.m. How to describe Brock Well, you might have heard of the psychedelic arts festival in the Nevada desert, Burning Man. It's always been a pilgrimage for tech entrepreneurs, and Brock has really taken the aesthetic to heart with his wide-brimmed hat and his long pendants and his wooden beads, definitely in keeping with a specific Burning Man style tip. But waiting for a reply, I'm starting to feel like Brock is the physical embodiment of Burning Man, which every year reinvents itself in the sands like a pagan oasis and then disappears into the haze for another 365 days. We have a sighting. He knows we're here. We don't want our chance to meet him to fade away. All right. Hey, Brock. We're just around the corner from the clubhouse in Old Town, finishing off an unhealthy amount of plantain. Give us a shout when you're free to get together. I ran into an old article about you. 
from an old friend of mine from the Terra Nova blog days. I think we'll have a bunch to talk about with regards to how much has changed. Speak soon, Alex. I'm genuinely, like, genuinely really excited to talk about that stuff. So I am looking forward to it. What I'm here to talk to him about is Tether, a cryptocurrency that was allegedly his brainchild. Tether's a curious character in this story. On the surface, it's the steadiest ship in stormy crypto seas. The people behind it claim that one Tether equals one dollar, which means, in theory, it's always worth a dollar, so it doesn't have those violent swells and falls of the other digital currencies. But the thing is, no one can prove that there's any truth to Tether's claims because Tether has never published any accounts. Why this matters is because Tether is the currency that people use to buy Bitcoin and the other major crypto coins. Two-thirds of all Bitcoin bought every day is bought using Tether. If all the Tethers disappeared, for example, because someone decided its claims were wobbly and that caused it to collapse, the whole ecosystem would be at risk. Brock, who says he invented Tether, should know how to get hold of the evidence that we need to prove that Tether really is backed one-to-one to the dollar. So I'm going through my list of questions that I want to ask him about Tether's conception, where they thought they would bank their money. If Tether took off, where would they stick the $1 that they held for every coin that they issued? What was his intention behind it? We're just around the corner from the clubhouse, the crypto clubhouse that Brock and others built after the hurricane when they first came to Puerto Rico in 2018. It is next door to the governor's mansion, which at the moment is surrounded by lots of men with guns. There was a big article in the New York Times about Brock when he first came here in the wake of Hurricane Maria. He talked about rebuilding the former children's museum to be a clubhouse that would bring together Puertopians with everyday Puerto Ricans. I have been dying to see this clubhouse, so that is where I said we should meet. All right, let's go to the right here. Back onto the main street, cobbled. Calle de Cristo. So we're looking for number 250. I think that's it, Alex. 254, 252. 250, look, right there, the monastery club. It's locked. There's a parrot chirping in the background. Maybe he knows the entrance code. Or maybe he's a lookout. I am now face pressed up against the glass, straining my eyes to see the entrance hallway. It looks a little bit like a court jester's brain has exploded. We've got like lots of black and white diamonds, extremely ornate, but very colorful. Reminds me of like sort of pop, like Brit art from the 90s. We head to another of Brock's properties in town, the NFT gallery. Lighthouse NFT. This is the gallery. It's like gorgeous marble floors. It's very open. It feels really airy. The bar over there, it's also got the familiar jester's brain exploding theme that we've got going on with the black and white tiling. And the gallery says by appointment only. So I figured an art gallery would be open to the public. 
what is going on? This is like the weirdest. It's like we're chasing ghosts. Literally, like we are chasing ghosts. You can see that they were here. You can see their shadows. And to be fair, I suppose, if anybody is going to be difficult to find, it is going to be people who know how to use digital technology and who make their life using digital technology. And it's only when they mess up by accidentally forgetting an email address that they put into a form 17 years ago that we can actually find them. But like, these are their public faces. Oh, I'm really getting frustrated with this. I just feel like we're careening around the place and we're finding nothing but ghosts. Incredibly frustrating. Anyway, Puerto Rico, it's lovely this time of year. <laughs> I was thinking in the taxi as we were leaving the old town that is it doesn't surprise me that everything is a ghost because that is the digital world. Nothing is permanent. We know this. Cryptocurrencies. They'll disappear when somebody turns the server off. All of our online identities, they'll disappear when somebody turns the server off. It's all a mirage. Oh my God, I'm having like a philosophical moment. While my brain melts from the paradox of modern life and the digital age, we are trying to find something that is tangible in a way that feels almost old-fashioned. Real people who know the whereabouts of real money that is supposedly being held at a physical address. And our real reward is a million physical dollars. That'll buy a lot of plantains. I'm not the only one who's been searching for this intel. Tether's banking history has been under the microscope before, and from some heavy hitters, too. The problems began deep in its family history. You see, Tether has an older sister, a crypto exchange called Bitfinex. It's based in the British Virgin Islands, and it's run by, well, most of the same people who run Tether. Tether and Bitfinex insist that they are two separate companies, but according to two U.S. legal investigations, their relationship has been, at times, too close. They apparently used reserves to mask $850 million loss of client funds from 2018. And this is what the New York Attorney General has said. And then they are getting a court order to force Bitfinex to cease this cover-up. New York Attorney General Letitia James was trying in 2018 to do the same thing that we are doing today. Find out if Tether really had all of those dollars in the bank. She spotted that Tether moved $850 million to its sister company, Bitfinex, when Bitfinex needed it, leaving an $850 million hole in Tether's accounts. With all that money out the door, Letitia James concluded that Tether was not doing what it had promised. It did not have dollars backing all of its tethers. And here's the kicker. She also said, and this is worth me quoting verbatim, Tether's claims that its virtual currency was fully backed by U.S. dollars at all times was a lie. 
Tether settled in 2021 with an $18.5 million fine, an agreement to publish the details of its accounts on a regular basis, and a ban from trading in New York. It was that ruling which first got Nate Anderson at Hindenburg curious about Tether. The New York AG had sued Tether and revealed a great number of discrepancies with Tether's previous statements. They had to change their disclosures to acknowledge, in fact, that Tether was not backed one-to-one by the U.S. dollar and that it was backed by a variety of things, which included loans to its own related party entities. By this point, Tether changed the wording on their website to say that it was backed to the equivalent of one dollar, not by one actual dollar. So that's why Nate wants the holdings rather than Tether's bank transactions. When you see a statement that is out there that it is backed one-to-one and then just a sudden shift in response to regulatory intervention that, in fact, it's not, and it's backed by related party loans to itself, potentially, that just struck me as flagrant fraud. But it was quite clear that the mystery of what was the backing, including these various loans and other assets, was going to be important for really understanding how much value is there. This case encouraged some other bloodhounds to join the hunt for Tether's money. Last year, Coindesk filed a Freedom of Information Law request with the New York State Attorney General asking for documents about what exactly is backing Tether's reserves. Tether's response to that Freedom of Information request from Coindesk, which is a news website specializing in cryptocurrencies, was to ask the court to block it. Tether said that showing the details of its balance sheet would tilt the competing playing field against Tether. So, no one has seen the balance sheet yet, apart from the top Tether employees, I assume, and the courts. I'm still waiting to meet face-to-face with Brock. It's Wednesday afternoon. We've just come back from Old Town. We haven't heard anything from Brock, and we have been chasing his ghost in Puerto Rico. So we came down to the beach just to kind of get a bit of perspective. This is something that I think is really, really important. I've talked about it in so many different ways. (laughs) It's based upon something that actually Brock Pierce has said himself. I I heard him say this in a recording from a Crypto Monday event a few years ago. It's based on a quote by a scientist named Melvin Kranzberg. He was a history of computing researcher, and he has these laws of computing. And one of them is, technology is neither good nor bad, nor is it neutral. And it's like, we imagine ourselves, we kind of project ourselves into this space as if it's just a mirror. But in fact, it has a, an intention. The people who have built it have an intention. They have a manifesto, perhaps it's unspoken, that goes along with the decisions that they make inside the technologies as they write them, as they code them. Think about a pen, right? A pen on its surface, seems like the most neutral thing in the world. You can write a beautiful sonnet or you can write, you know, hate speech. The pen, actually, it's neither good nor bad, but it isn't neutral. It's something that we use in order to serve a need that we have, which is cool, right? But because people have a need, 
they have a solution or an intended solution for how they wish to solve it by building a tool that is meant to solve it. Which means that they already have an imagined idea. Crypto itself has an ideology that is serving the needs of the people who are minting these coins. Technology isn't amoral. Technology isn't good or bad, it's a tool. The outcome is determined by the culture and the intentions and the people that show up to do it. Tether is actually a brilliant innovation, or stablecoins in general, right? Because it allows you to straddle the world of opportunity of the future and unknown and uncertainty with the comfort that we crave. Kind of like one foot in the old system, one foot in the new system. And that's, it makes total sense that it was a huge success as a financial instrument, but also because it serves the human need to have stability in total chaos and uncertainty. It seems so strange to me that someone who's come up with a solution like this doesn't want to talk about it publicly. Brock is only ever given a handful of interviews. If I invented something like this, I'd be talking about it all the time. Hours later, though, no reply. But our hunt for him is not over. We're finding in this investigation that the more you delve into the inner circle, it's not just Brock who feels make-believe. Everything gets curiouser and curiouser the further down the rabbit hole you go. Back at the hotel, we speak with Bennett Tomlin, who's been tracking Tether since 2018. The Tether founding crew are the weirdest people involved. Bennett is a former American football player. He's got sandy blonde hair chiseled features, and a keen interest in what's going on with Tether, which he now investigates full-time. For the last four years, he has also not been able to pin down Brock. I've had very limited interactions with Brock. Um, He once replied to me on Twitter to say I knew more about Tether than he did, which is perhaps telling. He once talked about having a blimp that would hold servers on it and would float over international waters, and when it needed to refuel, would only land in non-extradition countries to try to make, like, going after certain websites and stuff much more challenging for authorities. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. 
So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello, I'm Giles Wittell, Tortoise's deputy editor. On the News Meeting podcast, we try to make sense of what should be leading the news with three guests who each pitched the story they think matters most. And once a month, we record a live episode in our newsroom. The next one is on the 27th of March, and I'm going to be joined by the brilliant author and podcaster Elizabeth Day. To come to the event and tell us what you think should lead the news, go to tortoisemedia.com forward slash book. That is tortoisemedia.com forward slash book. It's time to cast our tether net wider than witness one, Brock Pierce. This is the point where you might need a red ball of string to keep track of who's who and how they're all related. I know we did. Witness two, the first person you'd go to for a statement about a company, the CEO, Jean-Louis Vanderveld. This guy is invisible on the internet. Sure, there is a nice picture of him on the tether website. He's smiling a little uncomfortably at the camera, Caucasian, wearing a suit, mid-50s. He doesn't look like someone who sits for headshots very often. He's just stiff. His hair, though, is the right end of casual floppy. It tells me that he's not the head of a money services company in traditional finance, but still adjacent. You can find his profile on LinkedIn. The details from this bio are sparse, but they are the most important words that we have about him because... They've been repurposed again and again in every language across continents. This is all the information about Jean-Louis Vanderveld that anyone, journalist, analyst, investigator, has to go on. A Google search on his LinkedIn photo brings up nothing. A dig around social media, nothing active. But once upon a time, he had a now-defunct Twitter profile under the name You Are What You Know. It also has been scrubbed like the rest of his online presence. There are a lot of fake accounts on LinkedIn, and because there's so little information about Vanderveld out there, this feels to me like it could be a fake account. So we sent the Vanderveld photographs and bio to several digital forensic specialists, including an expert in AI images. He sent me an email back within an hour. My verdict? Well, it's all very curious. The provenance of the original picture of him lecturing is confusing. And while the photos seem likely to be of a real person, there's no particular reason to believe they're photos of your CEO, or for that matter, that this CEO even exists at all. His digital footprint is obviously very unusual. The question then becomes, who is the person in the photo? If you can figure that out, I guess you've cracked the case. What we do know is that Jean-Louis goes by other names. Sometimes he's Jan Leviticus. Sometimes he's just JL. And after hours of digging, we discover that sometimes he's Fang Jungji, a Chinese name. This is a big discovery. We know that Jean-Louis was based for a while in Hong Kong and Taiwan, and potentially both. By searching for Vanderveld's Chinese name using Chinese characters, I have just found an article. It's come up from something called Commonwealth Magazine, The World. This is from um, August 2022. There is a picture on this. I see a tether logo on somebody's shirt, and they are standing in front of a lake. Tether has 
developed a relationship with the city of Lugano, which is uh, a southern city of Switzerland. The name of this relationship is called Plan B. When the reporter of the world came forward to greet Fang Junxi, he smiled kindly and said, I have lived in Lugano for a while. Jean-Louis Vandervelde attended this event with his Chinese wife. I'm going to put uh, Jean-Louis Vandervelde in Lugano and see what comes up. And there's a picture of our guy. Look at him. He's standing. He's at, he's big smile says with JL Vanderveld and Paolo Ardoino, CEO and CTO of Tether and Bitfinex on Lake Lugano. They're on a boat on a lake. This is actual photographic evidence of him in another place. We have located him in the city of Lugano. We would not have found this without this name. We know that he is real. And we know that he lives in Lugano, Switzerland. I feel like the meme of the guy from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, waving my arms around in front of a whiteboard that's covered in red string. Jean-Louis Vandervelde is all I can talk about. I've become the bore of the playground at the school gates. But I want to figure out what he actually does at Tether, and at Bitfinex for that matter. So we speak to someone who worked with Bitfinex in the moments just before Tether's conception. And when we asked him about Jean-Louis Vandervelde... I don't actually know who you're talking about. Who are you talking about? The, the CEO, J.L. Vandervelde. Oh, I've never heard of this person. <laughs> yeah, never heard of this person. Yeah, he's this, he is a, he's a mystery. How long have they supposedly been CEO? Oh, since early bit. Since, since the bit beginning? Next. Yeah, yeah. That's very funny. Like I said, I feel like I probably knew almost everybody who mattered in the very early, you know, that first 2013, 2014, 2015 period. And I have never heard that name before. We've had to pull out all kinds of stops to to track him down as a physical person. Yeah, that's funny. Um, again, like, you know, I know nothing here, but game it out, right? And it's like the thing that you would do, <laughs> thing that I would do, is you just find some schmuck, right, who isn't going to actually play any sort of meaningful role, but puts his name on the line and then is basically inaccessible. That's Amazing, because his name is written down on pieces of paper. He has signatures. Like, this is not my beat. I haven't been paying too much attention to this stuff. So again, it's not to say that that isn't in fact the case, but it is quite interesting because every other person who we've talked about, and I think we could talk about, I'm pretty much, at least I'm aware of, if not know them personally. I go to the Chinese search engine Baidu and put Jean-Louis Vandervelde's Chinese name into it. For the first time in this search, I read something about the man that ties him to the utopian idea of Bitcoin. Fang Zhengzhi is quoted talking about the opportunities that crypto can offer to governments. He says, the only way out for Taiwan is the decentralized blockchain. He hopes to turn Taiwan into a, and I'm quoting here, Asian Switzerland. I would love to ask him about these ideas that he has about systems of power and governance and crypto utopias. But so far, it has been impossible to track him down. Even when I have discovered as much as I think anybody could about Jean-Louis Vandervelde, the man is still a mirage. So 
Let's get back to my list of witnesses to see if we can get some concrete answers about this money. Tether witness three, the chief financial officer, that is Giancarlo Devasini, a disillusioned plastic surgeon. Carlo Davisini himself is like this really weird dude. He was a plastic surgeon for like four days and then never again. Then he went into an import-export business where he imported and exported electronics between Italy, Switzerland, and China four days after being a plastic surgeon. Yeah. He's a shapeshifter. Bennett tweeted that the reason Giancarlo quit his job altering the flesh was because too many beautiful people wanted surgery. And so he went into altering people's bank balances instead. Giancarlo Devasini and Jean-Louis Vandervelde have been working together for a decade or more. In fact, they hold the same director titles at Tether's sister company, Bitfinex, and at Tether's and Bitfinex's parent company, iFinex. So it's all very cozy. But it is odd to me that the chief financial officer of a money services organization doesn't do interviews. But Giancarlo is a little less of a mystery than his CEO. There have been a few profiles and stylish shots. In one of those photos, he has half of his face covered in shaving foam, the other, freshly shaven, holding a razor in his hand, his eyes locked on his reflection. He's got the air of someone who's been around. This is not his first rodeo. And it's true. Although Giancarlo Devasini was once a plastic surgeon, he discovered crypto finance in 2013 and became a convert. He set up shell company after shell company, mostly in the British Virgin Islands, and all of them are at least tangentially related to Tether. But that doesn't mean that Giancarlo Devasini has been seeking out the spotlight. In fact, he's been really quiet for the last few years. Digging around, we found comments when he ran the Bitfinex customer services message board. Here are a few examples. Transparency doesn't mean to spend time in justifying ourselves against allegations that don't make sense. I understand logic can be taken for arrogance by people that are adverse to being logic. Spitting hot air out of your mouth is easy. A little more difficulty to place your bet and lose your coin. You have a unicorn as your avatar. You must be used to animals that actually crack jewels. And the fact that we are in Hong Kong, where another company closed down, doesn't mean anything. If we say that any company located in Hong Kong, or with at least an Italian-sounding named employee, is doomed to go bankrupt. Come on, guys, give me a break. I think I'll leave this thread to Raphael, which is far more patient than me in taking your shit. Have a good day, folks. I'm out of here. Giancarlo, Bitfinex team. Let's just say he's more direct than diplomatic. Naturally, I want to hear from the person who's in charge of spreadsheets, the wizard behind the coin's incredible success. So I send him a note on the messaging platform Telegram, where his username is, fittingly, Merlin. In terms of a response, all that my message gets me is several hundred spam messages from random Telegram bot channels. I know, thanks to the two blue checks next to my messages, that he has seen them, or at least the person who's operating the account has opened them. I try another alias of our former plastic surgeon, the account Merlin Magoo on Skype. Same two messages, same tumbleweeds. Poof, he has disappeared into a cloud of smoke. This chase never seems to end. We found some home addresses for Tether's top brass from some legal documents that have found their way online and a list of their business addresses in Hong Kong. 
I also find a phone number for Jean-Louis Vanderveld registered to a shell company in the Bahamas with a Hong Kong area code, which is dead. It's evening in San Juan, and you know it's nighttime from the chirping of the frogs, which you can hear everywhere, but you just can't see. I'm stalking the tether director team on an online public record search. Uh, And nobody's coming up with anything. It could be they have used a service that scrubs the public records of anything about them. Which, I mean... To be fair, if they are a they're a cryptocurrency company, they're not only like technologically adept, but they're also you know, aware that people are going to be trying to do this because they're a financial institution. Also, many of them have never lived in the states. It feels like the current cast of Tether is made of cardboard cutouts, but there is a very proactive technology officer who's quite vocal on Twitter about Tether's ambitions. Witness for the coder. Paolo Ardoino is a true Tether disciple. Paolo's interesting. Anyone I talk to says that Paolo is an excellent coder, is a very good technologist, and is good at all of those things. But, like, his role inside of these companies is endlessly fascinating. He is currently the CTO for Tether, the CTO for Bitfinex, the chief strategy officer for their new encrypted video uh, app. So he's extraordinarily busy. He is arguably one of the most important people in the entire cryptocurrency industry. At least for people in the cryptocurrency industry, it's obvious you need to pay attention to Tether, right? Like it's the largest source of trading volume. It's this massive pool of liquidity. It is acting like this hedge fund extending loans and investing in all these different assets and having all these different exposures. But if this company does not have the amount of assets that it says it does, it's all a hallucination. But still, you need to kind of play the dance that Tether's fully backed because not having that disrupts so many other things. We have another strand of our investigation, which is to speak to the people who have actually worked with Tether's money, the banks. Puerto Rico is not just where Brock Pierce is. It's also where, once upon a time, Tether put its millions. Martin Parillo played the dance. How do you, as a bank, know that the money is actually, that it actually exists? We knew that we were in a a risky business and all our clients were going to be risky. So this was just one of them. We are off to meet the money men. This series was reported by me, Alex Kratoski. It was written by me and Joanna Humphreys. The producer is Joanna Humphreys. Additional reporting by Luke Vedema. Sound design is by Carla Patella. Original theme is by Tom Kinsella. Additional production by Rebecca Moore. With thanks to Bennett Tomlin and the team at Protoss, Nay Anderson, Ben Hammersley, and Carl Bergstrom. 
The executive producer is Carrie Thomas. Real Money is a Tortoise production. Tortoise members and Tortoise Plus subscribers on Apple Podcasts get exclusive and ad-free access to Real Money, as well as Tortoise's other investigative series. Simply subscribe to Tortoise Plus on Apple Podcasts or join Tortoise as a member, where you will also get invites to exclusive events in our newsroom. Go to tortoisemedia.com slash realmoney for a special offer to become a member today. <laughs>